A mother tells me that her daughter is spiraling downward. An older person tells me their health continues to decline. A wife complains that her marriage is falling apart. And a person who loves Jesus is just trying to stay above water while depression is trying to pull them under. And across society, statistics are telling us that our young people, both young men and young women, are struggling with depression and isolation. And their families suffer in silence, feeling like there is no support. All of these things give rise to anxiety, fear, and hopelessness, emotions that are addressed in today's passage. So we're going to read from Isaiah chapter 41, verses 1 through 10. Be silent before me, you islands. Let the nations renew their strength. Let them come forward and speak. Let us meet together at the place of judgment. Who has stirred up one from the east, calling him in righteousness to his service? He hands nations over to him and subdues kings before him. He turns them to dust with his sword, to wind-blown chaff with his bow. He pursues them and moves on unscathed by a path his feet have not traveled before. Who has done this and carried it through, calling forth the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, with the first of them and with the last, I am he. The islands have seen it and fear. The ends of the earth tremble. They approach and come forward. They help each other and say to their companions, be strong. The metal worker encourages the goldsmith and the one who smooths with the hammer spurs on the one who strikes the anvil. One says of the welding, it is good. The other nails down the idol so it will not topple. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now Isaiah is speaking to the captives in Babylon. Some remember the fall of Jerusalem and being taken into captivity, and they still live with the trauma of it. But most of them are now, by this time, born in Babylon, and Babylon feels like home. Yes, they are captive. Yes, they are second-rate citizens, but they have houses, they have food, they have work, and they live securely. You might think of the recent immigrants from Afghanistan who have come to our country. It's not home, but they have shelter and food, and life is secure. But now, people living in Babylon, both the Babylonians and the Jews, hear that Cyrus is intent on invading them. He has already encircled the Babylonian empire, and now he's coming from modern-day Iran, in towards Iraq, near Baghdad, which is where Babylon is located. 
and the entire empire is frightened of Persia and its king, Cyrus. Our text says of him that God hands nations over to him and subdues kings before him. He turns them to dust with his sword and to wind-blown chaff with his bow. And the response of the people we hear in verse 5. The islands have seen it and fear. The ends of the earth tremble. Now, not only do the Babylonians tremble, but the Jewish inhabitants of Babylon tremble also. They have plenty to eat. Who knows what happens when Cyrus invades? And their response is fear. And in response to their fear, the Babylonians think that making more idols and making better idols is the answer. In their insecurity and in their anxiety, they're going to double down on their idols. But it's just not the Babylonians who are doing it. The Jews are doing it too. The people of Yahweh. In their anxiety, they're running to their idols. The Lord says this of idols in verse 7. The craftsman encourages the goldsmith, and he who smooths with the hammer spurs on him who strikes the anvil. He says of the welding, it is good. He nails down the idol so it will not topple. So what do these people do who are not trusting God? What are they doing with their fear and their anxiety? They are turning to idols, and they encourage each other to create idols. The craftsman fashions an image out of wood, and the goldsmith overlays it with gold and hammers it into place, and the welder attaches the extremities, and then they have to nail the idol down to a a post or a wall or to a, a table so it will not topple over. Get the irony? They run to the idol for support, but they're the ones who made the idol and they have to support the idol. Now we might think, how ridiculous people, to not turn to God in a time of trouble, to go running to their idols. But they're not the only ones who run to idols. We do it too. Idols are things from the created order that we have elevated to a supreme place in our life. It's what we look to for ultimate things. Now, ultimate things, things we all need, are things like love, approval, comfort, security, worth. God knows we need these. God wants to supply them to us. But very often we look to created things to provide these things for us. And thus they can take the place of God and they provide an open door for life-destroying sin. Let me give you a few examples. We all want to be loved, right? It's It's a needful thing. But some people will only feel loved if they have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a a lover, or they find a spouse. Nothing wrong with any of these things. But if you have to have that, 
in order to be loved, then you're going to do all kinds of things to find it. So you might stay with someone who's not right for you because you're afraid that no one else will love you. Or you may marry the wrong person. At least you can say, I'm married. Or maybe you'll say, stay in a relationship that's destroying you. Or maybe you're compromising God's law in order to be with them. Or maybe you're running from lover to lover to lover because you always have to have that feeling of being loved. They find this sense of love in created things and not in God. And then another ultimate thing is needing to feel accepted. But if we're looking for the acceptance of people, then we will want the approval of whatever group of people we're looking to for the approval. So we will edit ourselves and our behavior to fit in with that group. Even if it means compromising who we are in Christ, even if it means staying silent about Christ so that they won't judge us or disapprove of us. And we all want to feel secure. And maybe money is what gives you a sense of security. But if money is your idol, you will do whatever to keep it or make it. And uh, headlines in the news are full of stories of people who did whatever to make it or keep it. And then we all need to be comforted. If we suffer some kind of pain or injury, we want to be comforted. But a lot of people run to alcohol or to pornography for comfort. And if these things are your idol, then they will enslave you. So what do we look to for our sense of ultimate things? Where are you looking for your sense of being loved? What are you looking to for as your source of security? Who are you looking to for approval? What or who are you running to for comfort? If we're running to anything that isn't God, then the thought of losing it will cause us to fear. And if we think that thing is being blocked from attainment, we'll become angry. And if we, if we feel we have lost it, we fall into despair. Now the problem with idols is that we think they support us. We think they give us what we need. But really, we need to support them. We think that the idol will give us what we need, but in reality, we have to keep on serving the idol, seeking it, indulging it, hoping it delivers on the thing it's promising us. So, we always have to have that person who loves us, or we always have to play to the crowd, or we always have to have more money than what we have, or we have to keep indulging our addiction. So how do we know if we might have an idol in our life? Well, what are you looking to for ultimate things? For love, approval, security, worth, comfort. 
If God's missing from that equation and there's something else there, then that can be an idol. Sometimes problem emotions can reveal where our idolatry is. If we're feeling fearful, maybe it's because you're afraid of losing the idol. If you're angry, maybe you're being blocked from attaining the idol. If you are despairing, maybe it's because you fear you have lost it. Or what are some areas of persistent sin that you really elevate above God? They are idols and you are looking to it for some kind of support. You're looking to it because you think it's gonna give you something that you need that God can't. Now in contrast to idols that have to be supported by people, God presents himself as someone who supports us. Verse eight and following. But you, O Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So why does God uphold us and support us? In verse nine, he tells us it's because he's chosen us and not rejected us. So if you belong to Jesus, if you have faith in Jesus, it's because God has chosen you. God set his love on you before you were ever born. He chose what family you would be born into. He chose that people would come into your life and share with you the gospel. He led you to a church where you would hear the gospel. At some point in your life, he drew you to himself and he gave you faith. You are his because he set his love on you. You are his because he chose to pursue you. And God does not choose you only to lose you. He does not love somebody one day and reject them the next. He does not choose you to abandon you. And God's love does not depend on our performance where like God says, I like you today, but today I don't because I just discovered something new about you. God already knew everything about us when he chose us. So nothing changes who we are in Christ. Now what does this support do for us, knowing that we're chosen, that we're his, that we're supported? Well, it gives us comfort and eliminates our fears. Why did the Ukraine want to join NATO before the Russians invaded? Because they were afraid of being attacked. They wanted a powerful friend to support them. Finland and Sweden have applied for NATO leader, uh, membership because they're afraid of being attacked. They want a powerful friend to support them. 
We have a powerful friend and father to support us. And if God is with us, then everything he is is with us as well. This means that God employs all he is to make sure we are saved and we come safely through this life into his glorious kingdom. Is there any predicament he can't figure out? Is there anything he cannot do for those whom he has chosen? Everything God is, he employs to preserve and save those that are his. Now sometimes I'll hear people say, I will do all in my power to help you. Well, that's a promise of effort, not of results, because they don't have the power to pull off everything. But God is not limited. And therefore, whatever he employs his power to do is done. And his power is employed to support us. Now let's come back to the idols. Whatever you are looking to an idol for, God promises that to you. You will find it in the Lord if you seek it in him, and he has the ability and the desire to give you what you need. When the Babylonians and the Jews in Babylon were anticipating the invasion of Cyrus and were afraid of Cyrus, many people ran to their idols for support. And what foolishness, because idols don't support us at all. In fact, they have to be supported, whether they are golden images or wood carvings or alcohol, or lovers, or pride. Instead of false images of false gods nailed to a post, God offers us the true image of the true God nailed to a cross. And from the cross, he says, I love you, I support you, I can bear anything for you because I have already borne the sins of the world. As Cyrus threatened Babylon, even God's people trembled in fear. And they saw nation after nation fall before Cyrus. Their world to them was falling apart. But God said to them, do not fear. I'm with you. I am your God. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you. Well, Cyrus did take Babylon. He took it without a fight. And no one in the city was harmed except the Babylonian king. And it was Cyrus who decreed that the Jewish captives could go home to Jerusalem. God was with them. God supported them as he had promised. 
There is this primitive fear we have of not being held. It's a fear of falling. The fear of all support being gone. Amusement park rides and bungee jumping capitalize on this fear to give you a a scary experience. And perhaps you've had the nightmare of falling. It's scary. It's terrifying, isn't it? And some of you are living the nightmare where the bottom has fallen out of your world. All of us share in the nightmare at some time because we are fallen people who live in a fallen world. But in the fall, we are supported. We are upheld. We are saved by destruction from outward arms stretched out on a cross. And because of the love shown to us from the cross, we can know the blessed assurance. Fear nothing. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you've chosen us and made us yours. And once you set your love on us, you do not take it away. And we revel in this grace. I pray for those in our congregation who feel like the bottom is falling out of their world. And whatever it is, the nightmare they are living, Lord, we bring it to you. And Lord, we're going to place it, that thing, in your hands. The nightmare may not be ours, but it may be someone we know. We place them in your hands. We pray, Lord, that by your spirit, you would bring them support, a sense of being held, and indeed, you would deliver them. Today, we've realized I do have idols. Let us dismantle them. Whatever we're looking for from the idol, oh Lord, let us seek that in you. And I pray, Lord, that we would know that you have answered that need. Hear our prayer for all these things, Lord, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.